becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song, glimmer, glimmer of the ship you see. Well, we haven't had technical difficulties in a while, so no. it, was, it was time. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to the shores. To the shores. I don't know. If, does the shores have technical difficulties? I guess so. Um, I think that's not an generally. island problem. Yeah, <laughs> island problem. <laughs> There's no difficulty on the, the line between order and chaos. <laughs> no. Um. Yes. What's the what's the segue there? There's a segue into what we wanted to talk about today. There is. Yeah. I don't know how other to do it than just to to jump in. We're just gonna splash into the waters here. Go so for it. We're not even gonna be on the shores for very long. We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna jump into the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, so Matt and I've been we've talked a lot about narrative, and um, it has a, been a really common theme on the pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's, there's something I think you and I are, are we keep kind of like poking at it and 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 playing around with a lot of ideas in this area and so it, it can almost seem like we kind of repeat ourselves but it's really like a, it's a progression towards um, trying to understand this part that like today I had this this moment where um, you can almost say like I lost the narrative like I was, uh, I've been really busy at work lately, a lot, a lot of moving parts and just been really kind of awesome and hard and difficult. Um, uh, but like really good things. And then, but today I kind of like was shifting gears and kind of lost the narrative. Like, Oh shoot, what am I working on? What do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just kind of brought me back to, um, thinking about Sam, in talk in Sam Harris about his determinism and, and I had this thought of like, wow, that must feel really good to think that everything is determined. Like we're biologically determined atoms, everything is moving in a certain place. If you had all the right formulas, you could figure out now until infinity, you know, obviously it'd be a huge computer that would <laughs> be able to compute all the different variables, you know? Right. Um, and just being able to be like, ah, oh, Oh, okay, it's already it's already laid out. So I'm just going to play play the part, you know. Mm-hmm. But even that, you're you're accepting a narrative that is determined, you know. Or or in religious terms, it'd be sort of whatever fate wills, you know. Um, but there's a sort of there's a sort of idea that you're giving you're still giving yourself to a narrative, and because if it was completely determined, then it didn't really it doesn't really matter anyways whether you get peace from that or not, you know, and, and Sam kind of gets into this sort of peacefulness of being able to observe yourself. Well, that's interesting. In it, it doesn't matter because there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And even that, even that saying, it's just, there's, there is no consciousness really in that. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Well, back to the idea of, of you know, the fact that we keep coming back to this idea of narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting because <clears throat> when things t- seem to sort of, grab your attention over and over again, mm-hmm. there's something to them. Um, and this seems to be one that we keep finding ourselves fascinated by. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the idea that 
you know, maybe we should try to expand the the concept of narrative a bit and not just keep using that word and triggering <laughs> people. But, <laughs> totally. um, you know, if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing or what you intend to do, you know, you, you get to work, let's say, sit down at your desk and you don't have any kind of plan, mm-hmm. you know, which a plan is also a narrative mm-hmm. a plan is story. I think what we're talking about here is story. Yeah. You set a goal to do something, however well-defined that may be. And your perceptions even start to align around that goal. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot about, um, this idea that if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't see anything at all. Mm-hmm. And this is true. Like in, in ways that are, I think we all can kind of notice this. Like you can be walking down the street, let's say, or or even driving in a car. Like we all have this experience where you're driving in a car and all of a sudden you get somewhere and you're like, I don't remember how I got here. You you weren't drunk. And you weren't (laughs) drunk, right? Um, You know, if, if there's not some compelling reason to be paying attention to something, you don't really see anything about it. There's this there's this thrift store here in town, a resale store called uh, room service. Mm-hmm. That's just full of stuff. I love going in there because it's, they've got tons of stuff, <laughs> but if you're not looking for something specific, you're walking around, it's like every square inch of floor, ceiling wall is covered in things. Mm. If you, if you, if you don't go in there thinking I'm looking for a lamp, you're walking around and it's overwhelming. You don't see anything. Yeah. You know, like you have to have some idea of, well, I'm, I know I need stuff for my house. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's enough to like guide your perceptions enough to start identifying things. But um, without some sort of story of what you're doing, and I think a story would be constituted by movement toward some objective. Mm-hmm. Or even from an outside perspective, like if I was narrating what you were doing as like, Oh, Matt got his car and he was leaving and he's going to the store to look for things for his house. You know, it's like, but those are also, those are the same things that are kind of going on, whether it's in our subconscious or our kind of our unconscious of, of, Oh, you you have this whole story of why you're going to the, to the, to that resale space. Mm -hmm. It's not articulated, but it's, it's all there, you know, of you want something you, there's this place and you're going to go and you're going to look for it. You know, it's like, right. So there is that kind of like, you've already developed that story prior to leaving and going there. And so when you get there, Oh, and then he saw this jacket and you know, it's like the story shifts, but at the same time you had made a plan and we're executing that plan. Well, yeah, well that's interesting. If, if you were watching a movie and the, the narrator is like, Michael gets out of bed. <laughs> Michael gets in his car. Michael arrives at the store. Like already there's an implied narrative, but if you don't say why you're doing those things, mm-hmm. that's the most boring story on the planet. Yeah. Like there needs to be <clears throat> meaningful objectives that you're moving toward. Well, there needs to be objectives that you're moving toward for there to be any meaning in the story at all. Mm-hmm which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Cause then you're just more recounting what somebody can already see. Like, yeah, yeah I see he's in, getting into his car. Right. I see he's driving, you know, it's like, that's not a compelling story. It's like, well, what, what 
what drove him to get into what made him get into his car you know why is he driving where is he going <laughs> well those are the those are the good stories mm-hmm. is when you understand not only what's being done but also why it's being done mm-hmm. and why that's important even even if the why is not exactly the why they understand it to be yeah you know like at first you want to go to the store and you think you're going to go for your home stuff like a, a lamp or something like that mm-hmm but you get there and a jacket stands out, you know, right. it's, like, it's like, Ooh, the shift in the plot, you know, <laughs> <Plot> twist, <laughs> but there is something that we do. It seems like we all have a sort of plan or an idea of what we're, what we're moving towards. And it might be explicitly or implicitly understood. Um, and some of it, we just, we are walking out because we, we have an incomplete picture of something that we know we desire. We know what we want, but we can't actually put words to it. And so we act it out to understand what it is that's, that's underneath, hmm. underneath that, you know, um, like I, I was just, and Nicholas Tlaib talks a lot about this is like how, like, you know, we make plans, but almost nothing comes like we plan it. You know, there's no movie that sort of like at the beginning is like, I'm going to plan this. And then the rest of the movie just walks out. That walks out the plan. <laughs> walks out the yeah, plan. Again, you know, boring like, story, boring story. Yeah. But we all know that life is not like that. <clears throat> we also know that there has to be, we start with something, you know? Yeah. Well, we need, we, well, I think this gets to the sort of, implicit understanding we all have somewhere in our consciousness that there is more to there's more than just us Hmm. somehow there is something bigger some transcendence towards what well we don't know and Hmm. you know you can argue about what that may be but i think we all implicitly feel that um and so if we were, I mean, this goes back to like the, the, the tyranny of the lover that says, here's exactly what I want. You know, you, that's not love. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. You don't want it dictated. You want to be surprised by it. Right. Same with a story because we know there's more. Mm-hmm. And so if there's more, that means there's something outside of our ability to plan and a plan would, that's executed perfectly <clears throat> would be somewhat boring, not mm-hmm. somewhat ultimately like we want to be surprised by the new information, by the the chaos of of chipping away, or or maybe the opposite of chipping away, building up toward that ideal hmm. that is outside of our ability to describe. So you want to be surprised, like you know, oh shit, that happened. Oh shit, you know, I came in for a lamp. There's a jacket. I came in for a lamp. There was a jacket and I met the girl that I ended up marrying. You know, it's like, um, but interestingly enough, well, if you don't, you know, if you don't make a plan to set out on some journey, you never really incorporate any new information. You, You aren't surprised by the things that you run into. Hmm. You just made me think of that Peterson quote we talked about last time. Like, the consequences of truth are inescapable. You either face them voluntarily or they find you involuntarily. Yeah, I think that was actually Robert Breedlove. Robert, oh, yeah, Robert Breedlove. That's he right. was responding to someone else responding to Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. talking about the adventure of telling the truth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which that clip of Peterson talking about that just absolutely floored me. Hmm. Um, you know, and maybe this ties into the idea of narrative that, that I think we are nested in narrative. I mean, even science is nested in narrative mm-hmm. because again, you have to set out, you have to make an observation that you set out to false, to try to falsify. But that observation has something to do with, well, you're setting an objective, you know, you're not looking around and sort of discovering truths about the world. Mm-hmm. The world's far too complex for that. You have to look around and say, this is interesting for these reasons. Let's investigate this. Mm. You know, there, there, there's narrative structure that it's embedded in. Yeah, it could be as simple as like, wow, that's beautiful. How does that work? Mm-hmm. It's like, it, and that, the story is, is like, there's something about that that's beautiful and I want to understand it. Right. It and, requires curiosity. Mm-hmm. And here's some things that I'm observing about it is that true or was there more? Mm-hmm. And then you go and, you know, put down your hypothesis and, right. <laughs> and test it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> There's another Peterson quote, uh, that I think applies to what we're talking about here. When he, he says, um, n- if there's no valuable valued and valuable objective, mm. there's no positive emotion, mm. which I think gets into concepts maybe of, of meaning and, and reminds me a bit of Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning, but you, you, <clears throat> you need to set an objective, which is essentially saying, I'm now going to live a story toward something. Mm-hmm. And you can have different time frames for that, that, you know, that could be as simple as, um, you know, I'm going to, uh, clean my room. That could be an objective. It could be even more simple than that. It can, it can be like, I'm going to commit to sitting down at my desk, even though I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, some objective, or it could be as big as I really want to, uh, get my pilot's license someday. Um, but you set some sort of objective and, and the more that that objective is valuable and you value it, um, positive emotion emerges as a consequence of recognizing that and then allowing your, your life to be aligned toward accomplishing that. And I think he's making the point that without that, without setting objectives and moving toward them, mm-hmm. there isn't any positive emotion at all. I think that's, that's fascinating. I kind of want to go dark first before sure. we go. Cause I, I think the, I think that might kind of set this off a little bit more distinct too, because like, you know, like I see what I see that part of like the positive emotion, like without some sort of objective or, clear goal. It's like, you can't experience like when you climb the mountain, you are elated because you achieved the the summit, you know? Um, that's a good example. (laughs) You know, if you were just teleported Mm -hmm. to the top of a mountain, you wouldn't feel elated. Yeah. I mean, you become elated when you accomplish something you set out to accomplish. Mm -hmm. It's the accomplishment that makes you elated, not the being there. I mean, the mm-hmm. being there has its own interesting parts of it. But if you were just to like go to sleep one night and wake up on the top of the mountain, you'd probably feel terror, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Not elation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is interesting. So, I, you know, I, 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 there's a few areas I want to 
explore as far as like one is maybe uh, depression. Hmm. Um, another would be to um, what is it like to have no plan and no goals? Is that even possible? Hmm. Like I, I want to try to think of a scenario where you could say that, in this situation, there was no, there was no plan to even accomplish a simple thing. Like it's it, kind of un, unimaginable. Like the is. first thing that came into my head was like, you know, if you go on a vacation, mm-hmm. you might say, I'm going to go lay on the beach, no plan, no goals, do nothing all day long. Well, mm-hmm. sorry, you're already inside the narrative. Mm-hmm. Your plan was to go do that Yeah. specifically on the beach and specifically to not do anything. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. That's the goal. Positive emotion. <laughs> when you accomplish the goal, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, and it even goes deep enough to say like, because I don't think that plans and goals have to be necessarily clearly articulated. Like, yeah. like one of the, the biggest drivers of human activity is, um, the, um, well, essentially the avoidance of death. Hmm. Like I think a lot about how, horrifyingly strange it is that we are willing to drive two ton vehicles down a road separated only by a yellow line. Like the, the, the urge not to die is so strong that we can trust it so deeply Mm. that every idiot you've ever known, you trust to drive past you at a like net 120 miles an hour separated by two inches. I like that. That's how strong that urge is. Mm -hmm. You know, so to say that you have no plan and no objective, you would have to go past that. So Mm -hmm. it's like you're on a beach. Your basic plan is like, well, tomorrow exists. I'm not going to die. You know, the next hour exists. I'm not going to die. Like that's part of my goal. Mm -hmm. It's not stated. It's implicit. Yeah. But how would you couldn't even if you were to go past that and be like, yeah, that could happen. I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, or even if your plan was to not, you know, to not put yourself in that situation so you wouldn't die. Or, mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Um, but I, let's go. Let's go here because, um, you know, I, I think of like in deep depression, and that maybe the maybe the thing is is like you don't want to engage. engage in the hurtfulness that that you feel or don't know how to you know and so there's a sort of a certain amount of of lostness like i'm trying to think of like back when i was crazy it's like it's like i didn't really know what i was doing you know uh, i can go back and kind of interpret it from my perspective now no i, I never mind i mean I, I just see all these different stories that i believed and thought were true at the, at the time, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, at one point I was just like, I just need to get out of my house. So I'm going to go ride my bike and I'd ride my bike all day long. Hmm. And why did I do that? It was Forrest because Gump on a bike. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> yeah. but I knew, I knew, I knew for myself as like, as it's like, I just need to get out of the house. Yeah. It was a very simple thing. And it's like, and I, I just wanted to be around people without being around people and engaging the city without engaging the city. Yeah, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's like, you're still, there's still a story there, but it's like, it wasn't something that I was, it was more a desperation, you know, 
or if like, you know, hiding from the world and not leaving your apartment, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's still the story. And it's like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to engage the world because I don't know what's out there. Yeah. I'm afraid of what's out there. Yeah. But I wouldn't be able to articulate that if someone were to ask me that, you know, right. Maybe, I, maybe I would be able to, Oh, I was trying to get away if there's there's a place where the story or narrative was not a present, but it seems like even yeah. <laughs> even in the darkest places there is yeah. Well, the the depression one is interesting. As I think about it, I think it actually does maybe qualify for the the suppression of the the, the death avoidance urge. Mm. I mean, in deep depression, um, I can imagine a state in which you really don't care about that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might be talking out of my ass here, but because I, I, you know, I'm no expert on depression. Uh, but it seems to me that depression is a, like a severe lack of emotion. Like it's not necessarily characterized by strong negative emotion. Um, and, and, you know, I think we know that depression tends to be a spiral. Mm. Like, you are depressed. You don't want to do anything. So you don't do anything, including moving towards identifying and moving towards any kind of objective, even one as simple as getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so you have no positive emotion. You have no meaning. And so, well, you you make your objectives smaller and smaller and smaller Mm. until there's no positive emotion. And I think you have some negative emotion, but it's like, that seems like, um, well, one of the worst kinds of suffering. Well, it's definitely, it seems like it's a, a constricting of your story. Like you're trying to become less and less and less, you know, as if, um, well, I mean, also just losing the oh, narrative, that's true. you know, also, I, cause like, I think of like, cause <clears throat> I mean, there was a point where I like almost killed myself and it was like, it was like, if, as if, as if like, uh, the story had one sentence at the very end before it ended hmm. and it was like, what's next. And then the story ends and then all of a sudden you zoom out and it's sort of like you're baffled and the story begins. Because mm-hmm. that one, the ending of that uh, ending of that that tunnel, had one question there that sort of like punched you out of the mm. out of the rabbit hole or whatever it might be, and you're like, "What's next?" I remember what, like what, that was the only thought I had. I was like, I think I've explained it on the podcast before, but it was as if I was naked or even disembodied. I had no body. I had no. I had nothing, and I won't go into the details of it, but like. I didn't kill myself because that question just baffled me because hmm. you couldn't answer. It? I couldn't answer. It was just, it, it wasn't even, I couldn't answer. It's just sort of like, that just came into my mind. Like what's next. And it was just like, it's almost like someone shot me with a stun gun. I was like, Oh, clear. Exactly. It was like one of those, yeah. almost like a, uh, what are that things called? The pulsator or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think there's something about that is like we hide from the more that we hide from the story, the more mm-hmm. um, constricting it becomes. Yeah. If, 
so sort of anchoring on the idea of depression, mm-hmm. you know, that can often start, at least in my experience, with some sort of great failure. Mm. Okay, that, you know, some narrative falls apart, some story that I'm telling about myself and who I am. Mm. Okay, so you look for, a re- you retreat into some smaller thing. Um, and then by some consecutive number of retreats, whether it's because of disappointments or you start feeling incapable or unworthy, um, you start at, to your point, constricting the narrative down to the level of you wake up in the morning and you say, I should get out of bed. No, I don't Mm -hmm. want to, don't want to live that story. Mm -hmm. The getting out of bed story. Um, which just makes me think, okay, then you have to be able to do the inverse of all of this. Like, it seems like there's some huge value in the idea of casting a greater narrative. Mm-hmm. Like saying, I'm not happy with where I am and the way that things are going. Maybe casting a grander narrative, however unlikely or unreasonable it may Mm be. It's like turning a light on in a room. I mean, if we take the presupposition that, you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, you can't see anything. Another way to say that is if there's, if there's no objective, your perceptions themselves break down. Mm. So if you cast some narrative, you tell some story, you say, you know what, this is who I'm going to be someday you know, something simple like that. And then you describe that to yourself. It's like turning the lights on. Mm. All of a sudden, everything is now seen in relation to that. Um, I don't know who said it, but uh, somebody was basically saying, like, we don't see things. Oh, yeah. We see tools and obstacles. Is that Ian McGilchrist? Maybe. Yeah. Which absolutely spun my head around because the more that you think about it, the more it's completely true. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you realize how true this is. Um, you know, like a chair, for example, you know, what is it that you're seeing? Mm. You know, you're not seeing wood and metal and leather. Like, yeah, you are, but those things are kind of irrelevant on their own. It's like, you don't look at it and say, I'm looking at wood and metal and leather. You say, I'm looking at a chair. A chair is useful to me. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you're looking at it in the first place and, and, and like know that you're looking at it is because you have some desire to sit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you see a tool. Whereas if that chair, if you're trying to walk through a room and that chair is in your way, you don't see a chair. Mm. You see an obstacle to where you were going. Mm. And you might have some annoyance at that, Right. Like, it's in my way. I'm in a hurry trying mm-hmm. to get to where I'm going. You know, who put this here anyway? Yeah. Why would they put this here? You know, and you can identify that maybe at that point that it is a chair. It's like, this has no use here. Yeah. Because who's going to want to be sitting here in this path? And mm-hmm. so you see obstacles and tools, which I think the more that you think about that as you go through your life, the more true that seems. Which, if that's true, then this supports the idea that we are living not primarily in a sort of objective material reality 
Mm-hmm. We are living more so in a story which has constituents that <clears throat> are made up of atoms. And, you know, you, you can start describing these things from, you know, the, the floor up as far as we can understand. But I'll even go back to your, like your bed example. Like I kind of went into spiral a little bit more with that mm. because like, you know, you, you're not wanting to get out of bed, but then also just being angry that you don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to not, not want to get out of bed. Why am I thinking about this? I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. Isn't that so interesting that you can feel two ways at once. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm mad at myself for not wanting to get out of bed. Cause I really do want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I don't want to even think about like not getting out of bed. Like I just don't, I want to disappear. Mm, yeah. It's, and even that's too much of a structure, too mm-hmm. much of a narrative, too much of a narrative. It's like, it becomes oppressive. The more that you think about sort of disengaging from the story, disengaging from the narrative. And it's, it, it's almost infuriating to try to disengage mm. because you find that you cannot disengage and the only way to do that is to continue to spiral <laughs> true in like the attempt to disengage even in in the ways that you try to disengage like going mm-hmm. to sleep mm-hmm. your brain turns on and starts telling stories <laughs> it can be maddening you know so true which is maybe why people you know people become alcoholics mm. because yeah. that is you know blacking out mm. that story is over for a while yeah or heroin or whatever yeah, it might be right. it's like it's like losing control of, of the story. Mm-hmm. It's like you might participate in something, but it's sort of like it's abstract and mm. not real. And you're not participating. You're being overtaken by whatever drug it is that you're allowing to dictate. It's what uh, Eric Neumann describes as uroboric incest. <laughs> I love it when we bring him back. <laughs> Do you remember what that was? Yeah. So the Ouroboros, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I, I'll never be able to say that word correctly. Ouroboros. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I don't know how much justice I can do to the concept, but the idea that, well, essentially of what there is, all, of all essential dualities, good, evil, right, wrong, uh, matter, antimatter, whatever, it's all sort of described as this great circle in symbolically it's represented as the snake eating its tail. Mm. It's like, is the snake (coughs) nourishing himself or killing himself? Mm. Well, both. Mm -hmm. And that's the Ouroboros. That's everything that there is. And the, the ego emerges, consciousness emerges from the Ouroboros. Essentially you, to be able to observe things, identify things, categorize things, Mm -hmm. say this is this and that is that you have to be, you have to merge outside of the Ouroboros essentially. And the idea of a desire to be undifferentiated is Ouroboric incest. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, trying to get blackout is Ouroboric incest. Mm. I think, um, suicide is also Ouroboric incest. And I think he uses the word incest because it is to sort of, huh? I, 
he uses it in a complicated way. I'm not sure I could do it justice. Yeah. I, I, when you were explaining it, I, I sort of almost had it. Let me just try it real quick. I mean, mm-hmm. This might not, this might not work. Um, but the Uroboric incest part kind of makes sense to me is like, you're trying to go back into something that you were, that you can no longer be. Um, which like an incest is like, you cannot make family from your family tree, you know, like with your, with your sister or daughter or whatever it might be, you know, it's like, there's a sort of like perversion. Yeah. I think it's, I I think it's a, well, I don't think I did it, but I think it's, you know, incest is in some way, well, sexually the desire to have yourself. Hmm. Um, as represented in your family. Mm-hmm. And that's the same idea as the snake eating its tail. Hmm. It's like, I, I want something to fill me, but to fill me, I also have to consume myself. Oh, wow. That's, that's the ancestral part of mm-hmm. return to unconsciousness, mm-hmm. return to, to be undifferentiated from all that there is. Uh, I wonder if it's similar to, uh, I forgot the name of the character in, uh, in, in uh, the matrix where he's eating a steak and he wants to yes. go back and enter into the matrix again. Uh, Actual. what is his name? Oh, I forget his name. Damn. Um, yeah, actually that, that's exactly Plunk what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it is what it is. Yeah. Cause he wants to go back and to be unconscious and not aware of. Yeah. He doesn't future or he doesn't or, want to be disturbed by the perturbations of reality, the perturbations of, what it means to engage in the world and to be differentiated from the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a great, in some sense, a great tragedy. Mm. Um, Because it's full of constant surprises of all kinds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a story. So of course. Yeah. It's interesting. Like just even thinking about the matrix in that sense of sort of the mindlessness that, you're part of this matrix of people and things and actions and motions. And then there's this like, you know, like Neo feels that pull of what does this mean? What am I doing? I don't understand the story or the narrative. Something's missing. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever, you know, Trinity shows up and like, it basically says like, Hey, you feel like something's missing in your right. And I can show you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, do you want to explore what is missing? Part of what made that movie so powerful Mm -hmm. is we all know that feeling. Mm -hmm. We all have some longing for somebody to walk up to us and say, I know, you know, something Mm -hmm. is missing. I can show you what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) depending on the context, like, you know, if you're (laughs) walking, No, but, but we, this comes back to this. I want to know where you were going to go. Yeah, with that. I was thinking, <laughs> you know, some guy steps out of the alley as you're walking down the street and you're like, Whoa, uh, no, no, I don't want to know. I don't want you to show me, no, but, but we all have this, I think sense of something transcendent and whether you locate that within yourself or in some religious idea of God or, um, or something. Mm-hmm. 
we all know that there's something missing, which is another way to say that there is potential we have that we have not reached yet. Mm -hmm. So much potential that I can't even tell you how much. Which maybe is why, to me, the, the Sam Harris's of the world are, at the end of the day, supremely boring. Yeah. Because it's like, no, you're not tapping into the deepest part of me, the deepest part of me that knows something that I don't know what it is. Well, it's also hypocritical because they are engaging in a way that is, they believe in the story and the narrative that they have created for themselves. Like, you know, Sam speaks and goes to places and tries to convince people of something. Like there's a certain story and a narrative that he believes and he's wanting to convince other people by writing books, by having a podcast, by... Yeah, but the question is, but, but why? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Why would he want to do that? <clears throat> and I think he would probably say, well, cause it's true, but this is the interesting thing. Yeah. That doesn't answer the question. Well, it's also, it's also, uh, just, uh, not, uh, well, hypocritical, but also, um, uh, uh, not logical in, in his thinking because, because it's true. And you're trying to convince me that this is true over something else. Mm. So you're trying to convince me of this story over some other story that I believe. So you've got prioritization, Mm -hmm. which implies, implies meaning. Because if there was no meaning, then what what do you care? What Mm -hmm. do you care if that, that I, I think differently from you. Right. And if, if the world is determined, then there's nothing you can do to change that. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't really matter. There's no real, right. There's nothing, there's nothing to this story. Like you might as well just watch another one or it doesn't really matter what story you watch. It's there's all, they're all the same, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, y- all you do is just turn on Netflix and just hit whatever comes up because it doesn't really <laughs> matter. You know, it's like, no, one's more engaging than the other. It's like, well, why is one more engaging right. than the other? Oh man. Why is <clears throat> listening to, Eric Weinstein talked to Joe Rogan, I think on his podcast. And he said, uh, I think Joe asked him like, you know, why are you in, why theoretical physics? Mm. And he said, Joe, when you were a kid, you always ask the question, why? Right. Mm. He's like, yeah, you know, it's like, why is this this way? Why is this this way? And he said, at some point you stopped asking why. And Joe's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, I'm on this podcast doing this. And he goes, no, you did. (laughs) If you don't stop asking why, you end up in theoretical theoretical physics. <laughs> that's where the ultimate. It's like that's where why gets you. And I don't know that I yeah agree with him, but yeah. uh, I was like, damn it, I'm not asking why enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well I, I, I see more of like the the point of what he's making. It, I don't think necessarily theor- theoretical physics is the the end point. The but, end point, yeah. But it, it's a it's a as far as where we are in our in our, in our history, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it demonstrates that point the most clearly, you know, because yeah. that's where they're seeing, Oh wait, an atom is here and there. What's our, you know, electron or whatever it is, you know, it's like, that's mm-hmm. no, so interesting. It's like, what's your response to that? Yeah. It's like, Whoa, mm-hmm. you, why, you, why <laughs> or how, how, yeah. but why would you ask why or how 
mm-hmm. you know, unless making sense of it meant something. Mm-hmm. And things don't mean something unless they are directed at something. Yeah. Maybe we are just dumb, you know? And mm-hmm. it's sort of like we're the, uh, you know, we're watching these animals in a zoo and we're like, haha, look at that. He's throwing his poop at the other monkey, you know? <laughs> and then like, if we zoomed out, someone else was looking at us like, Oh, isn't that cute? Look at them. They're mm. falling in love or, or, Ooh, that was a bad car. Well, like, can you believe that? <laughs> tell her, um, you've been reading some Nassim Taleb recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell, tell the Turkey story. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Turkey story is pretty great. It's like, so the idea of, of this is, um, you know, you know, applying the scientific method for a turkey who's being fed every single day and just like, man, this is so great. I come here for this whole year and like I get fed and it's good and it's awesome. So I just, I, I kind of project into the future what this means for me. And then, but lo and behold, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, he gets his head cut off and every, his whole, the whole world changes. And <laughs> just how much of our, you know, we make observations and we, we, we make plans, we, um, act on things that we think are true, but it's really limited. It's based on limited information. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's a certain humility that we have to have. Limited in, scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have, and also the things we used to think when we were in our teens versus our twenties and our thirties and our forties, you know, it's like, we think differently now that more information, more perspective has been given. The story has become more complex. Mm -hmm. And so there's a certain amount of humility that we have when we do make plans. And I do want to jump back to, again, in the depression area, because like, I think what, you know, it's like, what was the thing that Peterson says? Like we've said it many times on the podcast, like what you will do and could do what you could do that you would do what you could do, what you would do. And there's certain parts in our life or even I mean, I'm thinking one of those basic, simple areas is like, just get up out of bed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get out of bed and eat breakfast. That's it. You know, it's like you just, you're making simple plans. But the thing is, is sometimes we have to start simple before the complexities start to to start to come out. It's like, even like when you go through a hard thing, like you were talking about earlier, it's like, it's like you kind of have to fall back when your world falls apart, you, you got to find some sort of footing to come back to. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's family, uh, friends. Um, maybe it's work, you know, I just kind of need to get some, I need to get my footing and get to an even ground. So I'm going to kind of focus on this or <laughs> get to this place. But isn't that interesting? You don't fall back on science. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. You fall back on a story. Uh huh. I mean, even family, that's what that is. Hmm. It's like known characters that I can trust that are safe. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you don't be like, okay, well, I know gravity is real <laughs> and E equals MC squared and <laughs> phew. Okay. I still got that. You know? <laughs> well, there are some of those. I mean, I remember when I was going through my, um, you know, crazy phase is like, um, there were certain axioms I kind of came back to, but maybe even that's more story aspect too is like, you know, that recognizing that there is a reality that, that I'm not, I've kind of lost, you know, there's something, there's something solid that I, I can't trust myself right now to interpret the world around me. Mm -hmm. And there's a sort of like acknowledgement of that, that I had to kind of come to. 
and I had to kind of retreat to certain basic things. Like, like sometimes it was as simple as like, I have to get home. Mm-hmm. Like I just need to get home and then I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning. And I'm gonna start again. Like that was a simple thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple thing, but it's a, it's a story. That's mm-hmm. it's a, it's oh, a story too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's a story. laughs> right. Well, and I can relate to what you said. Like there have been times, um, you know, where I've been so distraught that I have had to rely on, you know, people like you, mm-hmm. um, to make heads and tails of things. Like I can't trust myself to judge this. Mm. So I just need to trust my friends mm. to say yes or no, Yeah, you know, to some of these things. But I think that that is a still that's falling back on us on a more localized narrative. Mm. And that narrative involves, you know, our friendship and your judgment and all of these things are story based because they're mm. time based. They are historical almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They include history. They include projection of the future. Mm-hmm. They, they include casting a vision and potential mm-hmm. and movement a- along those lines. Well, I wonder if there's also something too in that you bring up a really interesting point. Like you, you know me, but you also don't know me. Mm-hmm. However, it's like you have a, a piece sort of a, a version of me that I can kind of come back to. If does that make sense? Totally. <clears throat> like, I think like in, in, even in the different relationships, like between you and Allison, it's like you guys have a, a version of me that I can come back to that's sort of safe. Like your parents yeah, too. Right. Like I raised you up. I wiped your butt. Yeah. There's a version of you. You can always come back to. Well, I think, yeah. And those, that's exact. That's a great observation that, that in those times that I've been distraught enough to say, like, I just need to trust my friends. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that I'm trusting their judgment. I'm trusting that to your point, there's a version of me that they carry. So I can almost, it's like, I can interface with that. I can query that. I can say, Hey, like I'm, I'm, I can't trust myself, mm-hmm. but I can trust the version of myself that lives within you. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. So please speak to me mm-hmm. about who I am, make judgment on who I am and tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly that I want your external decision and judgment. It's that I ask you specifically because you know me mm-hmm. enough that part of what I'm consulting is myself. Mm. Cause I wouldn't ask that of a stranger on the street, <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. even, you know, if that stranger on the street was, you know, turned out to be some you know, rabbi or intellectual or someone mm-hmm. who absolutely could be trusted. Yeah. You wouldn't cause mm-hmm. you don't know them. Yeah. There's no, There's no version of you in them. What's well, interesting. I, I, I was just thinking in that case, because I, <clears throat> I, I remember this one time I was, um, I was biking through this park and, um, yeah, again, this is a point where I like, I thought people could hear my thoughts. And so I was going to put my bike at one place and then go in and use the restroom and come out. And there was this guy over in the corner and I was just like, Oh, what if he steals my bike? Well, I thought the person could hear my thoughts. So it's like, <laughs> felt so bad. 
and it was it was it was the most weirdest interaction. He was a homeless person, and he was probably crazy just as much as I was crazy. <laughs> but he said something to me that was completely like he probably didn't even mean. I don't even mean. What, but the funny thing is, is like it's like he brought me into myself. And it was, it was, it was, do you remember what he said? I, I, I totally forget what it mm-hmm. was. I just remembered the moment and, um, and it was sort of like this grounding and the centeredness that I was experienced at that moment, you know? Um, but I mean, honestly, I think the guy was probably as crazy as I was. Yeah. Uh, so, but, I, but it's not, but he's not somebody I would go to on a, on a regular basis to get, <laughs> to get like, you know, to orientation, you know, it's yeah. like, but there are these, these moments where you run into somebody that, that kind of gives you that time or that space, or even it's, it's valuable to, to, uh, come in contact with, or have that time with somebody who doesn't know you, you know, but it's not, it, I wouldn't say it's like a, a, a a normal thing or like a, it's not a place of refuge. You know, it's like sometimes you need that outside perspective that is like, what, what are you talking about? And I kind of, well, maybe go deeper because they're not making the assumptions. Like I would make assumptions towards you, you know, yeah, it's like, right. because I have that history with you where sometimes maybe you don't need those assumptions. You need somebody to come at it fresh, you yeah, know? Right. But again, I don't think those are, I don't think that's as, that's not the, those are more exceptions, you know, mm-hmm. than the rule. It's like, well, that's so interesting because I think, um, so Brett and Heather Weinstein on their podcast for a long time have been talking about what science is and what science definitely is not. Hmm. And they have been making the point that any hypothesis has to be falsifiable. Hmm. If it's not, it's not a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It's something else. It's something more probably ideological or religious even. Dogmatic, yeah. Dogmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a tie to that and in what we're talking about that, you know, one of the ways we know who we are is because we know who we definitely aren't, mm-hmm. you know? Like you receive some new information from a stranger or whatever, that fresh information. And you're like, oh, that's no, not no to that. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't, that's not right. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe some, some, uh, some part of um, awareness of self centeredness uh, maybe is a word that could be used. Relies on falsifiability. Mm-hmm. And, and thusly relies on relationship. Like, how, can you know really anything about yourself outside of relationship? I'm not sure. I mean, it's a, I think it's a similar hmm. thought experiment to, you know, can you not have a plan? Yeah. Hard to imagine. I think where you're going with this is really interesting because can you know yourself outside of relationship in the I think the fundamental bottom line is no, mm-hmm. because you need someone to reflect yeah. back to you. Like almost like I'm saying to you, Matt, this is what I believe about myself. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. You need yeah. something to bounce off of mm-hmm. to reflect back to you, whether positive or negative <laughs> or somewhere in between of like, that's interesting. It's almost like, what can you understand of a, of a room 
if you can never find the walls, hmm. are you even in a room? Mm-hmm. If there's no walls without something to bump up against, how do you define the space? Yeah. Well, you can't see without reflection, like, you know, right. without light reflecting off of something. Yeah. You don't know what you look at, what mm-hmm. you look like without reflection. Mm-hmm. And I think that you don't know who you are without interacting with hmm. someone else or something else. Yeah. I mean, it could be an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's reflecting back to you. Like you, hmm. you put out your hand and the, and you know, your dog comes and, you know, wants to be pet, you know, yeah. there's some sort of, there's something being reflected back to you, a mutual sort of interesting. I mean, I think the fundamental element of, consciousness is differentiation Mm -hmm. and that's understood through interaction with what's different Hmm. and the fundamental structure through which that happens is narrative Mm -hmm. and uh, so i haven't read it yet i think the book's called leela by Mm. stephen piercing is that yeah that's it piercing um he makes the case that the fundament the fundamental element of existence is value, Mm -hmm. which I'm looking forward to reading, but that seems to fit with what we're saying that the fundamental structure of, of reality is narrative and within narrative there's movement, movement toward what, whatever that is that you're moving toward has been decided to have value. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you wouldn't be moving toward it. You'd be moving towards something different. So you establish a value so now back to Peterson's quote that no, no valued and valuable object, uh, objective, no positive emotion. Mm-hmm. You decide on something which intrinsically gives it value and you move toward it because it has value mm-hmm. because you've decided on it. Like Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin. <laughs> Sorry. Stack your sats, y'all. Stack your sats. That was a cheers right there. Cheers. <laughs> oh, Should we try to sneak Bitcoin into every podcast? Probably so. Yeah. It's like the pineapple in Psych. <laughs> psych? It's a dumb uh, comedy show. It's great. Oh, but there's okay. always a pineapple in every, every show. Oh, interesting. You have to find the pineapple. Anyways. Kind of like uh, Cartman always dies in... South Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <coughs> I derailed us. That's okay. <laughs> um, there seems to me to be some, like, whatever we're, we're hitting on here seems to... Well, it seems important and exciting. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you can start understanding... Or, or at least try this, this code on mm-hmm. these ideas. It seems like it will change the way that you go through your day. Mm-hmm. Well, I, again, I, I don't see how, I don't see how you can falsify this, you know, because it, to falsify it is sort of death almost like how, story and narrative and value are essential to the human experience. And to say that they're inconsequential or 
um, arbitrary or, or, I mean, subjective is because it is to the individual, but, um, but there's not an objective reality to that story because I think there's something you have to accept in that. It's like, it, it, it doesn't, the, the, the opposite of that doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> and I, th- I find some people saying like, well, yeah, then you accept that and then you think, live in bliss from there. <laughs> well, I think I think what you're saying is that there's no alternative. There's no alternative. Yeah. There you it's go. not like it's an, it's not falsifiable in that, you know, submit a, an alternative, mm-hmm. but there isn't one. Yeah. Or the, the alternative is, is absolute to truly accept the alternative is soul crushing. So the alternative would be determinism. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard to go there because I mean, nobody can truly go all the way. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hard thing is, is like to accept any other axiom or of, of story and narrative being such a valuable part of our lives. And there's something real about that. Um, I always find that very few people, if any, can really and truly walk that story out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, you can't escape it. I mean, maybe a, a a mass, uh, um, a psychopath or something like that Mm -hmm. can be the closest to that. Hmm. which isn't functional Mm -mm. for that person or anyone else. So they become transient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just just hard for me. I can't wrap my mind around it because anytime I hear the arguments against it, I find that people are actually just creating a different story or narrative that they are believing in and acting out. Mm -hmm. Right. Which just proves the point. Which proves the point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, that's the thing I had a problem with. Like our episodes a long time back about Brett and Sam is like, it's like you're saying this, but you're actually just proving the point and acting it out. Right. Yeah. But he he can't accept that. And I I, I love Sam Harris's mind, and uh, he brings a lot of great points. But I feel like that's one area that he's just not intellectually honest about. <laughs> and he's way smarter than me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I think this fits and maybe, maybe a good place to wrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw this quote on Instagram this week or last week. And I don't know who to attribute it to. I've seen, I've seen and read it many times before. Um, but it said, uh, the treasure you seek lies in the cave you fear to enter. Hmm. And there's a bunch of variations on that. You know, the, the thing you most desire lies in the dark forest or something like that. And I felt that to be terrifyingly true. Hmm. And I think it's interesting. I mean, to your point about unfalsifiability, you can, you can sort of query things. You can query yourself and say, you know, like I have something that I want and you can sort of say, well, why do you want that? You know, and then you you answer that to yourself and then you find out, well, that's not actually what I want. What I really want is this, mm-hmm. you know, and you can sort of have a conversation with yourself. Um, you know, but at some point, 
you reach some sort of bottom mm-hmm. where, okay, there's no more questions to ask about this. This is, this is the, the heart of it, mm-hmm. at least as much as I can access. And I saw that and I thought that was one of those moments. Um, Wait, what was one of those moments? That seeing um, the thing, the, the treasure you seek lies in the cave that you fear to enter. Mm-hmm. And that's so compelling because it, it seems to be like the, the, the condon. It's like, well, wisdom condensed so much that you don't even know why it's meaningful, but you know, it's true mm-hmm. and it's instantly convicting because we all know the caves we fear to enter mm-hmm. and we all know there are things that we seek that we don't have and to marry those two together. Well, that's a story. That's a good story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> well, do you want to attain the things that you desire? Of course. Do you want to be successful at the things that you set out to do? Of course. Well, it's going to be a story. There's going to be danger. There's going to be surprise. There's going to be risk. There are going to be times where you don't know how it's going to turn out. Just like every book you've ever read or movie that you've ever seen or, or story that anyone's ever recounted to you that anyone cares a damn to listen to. Yeah. It will contain all of those elements. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, it's not worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And if your life doesn't contain those elements, then it's not going to feel worth living. Wow. So figure out what it is that you want and go in that dark cave. Yeah. It reminds me of something too. You, when you're saying that too, is like you go to the deepest place that you can go and then you act on that Mm -hmm. and it'll take you to something even more deeper and maybe even darker. You know, it's like, so I think that that's almost true in all stages of life. It's, it, it's like, if you're really willing to live life, it's like, you're going to, you're going to hit and you're going to go deeper and you're going to go higher. It's like, I think that's to experience the extremes of life. You almost have to like allow yourself to go into those dark places and also to be able to go to those high places too, and to experience the joys. And I mean, like, starting a family, you know, it's like, it's one of the hardest things, but you know, when a baby comes out, it's like, Oh my God, what the hell is that? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's elating, you know, it's like, but then there's also a whole lot of hard stuff. You learn stuff about yourself. Like I need sleep. I don't, you know, it's like all these things. Yeah. But, but then as I grow up, there's these moments where you're like, wow, that's amazing. I did that. And now they're completely different from yeah, no control over it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I, I think I'd like for you to go back to, could you, can you say that last part again, uh, what you were talking about earlier? I, 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 now that's after I said that, I was like, I kind of want to end on what you said <laughs> right before I, I took <laughs> off on this other side. Um, Do you remember it? Yeah. I'm trying to decide how to say it. I think, well, if you pay attention to any story, which is interesting in what, in, in what the commonalities are, surprise, risk, darkness, 
triumph, heartache, heartache, overcoming it. Mm-hmm. You know, any story that doesn't contain those elements is supremely boring <laughs> and you don't want to hear them and they're not worth telling. Mm-hmm. So if your life doesn't contain those elements, you're not going to feel like it's a life worth living. Yeah. So celebrate those. Go into that dark cave, into that dark forest. It's going to be an, an adventure, not only worth telling, but worth living. And if it's worth living and you live it, it's going to be worth telling. Mm. And that's legacy. Inspiring to others too. Yeah. And then on the shores. Cheers. <laughs> Love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>